makes you such a threat? We choose the right to be who we are. We know the difference between the reality of freedom and the illusion of freedom. There's a way to live with Earth and a way not to live with Earth. We choose the way of Earth. It's about power. Chasha, I can do chasha. Oi, tona kecha makhaki de la ka ompi. Oa hutopa, na hupaho yu kampi. Taka uskanskan ompi kele na yuha. Makhaki de la. Hakantan kataka wa echa ke ake he om. Ona hoki chila mani pikte. Makhaki de hoki la mina mosikila. He om heche. Leo yuita. Tatani ma. Betu Wastelo Chante Wastena Petus up yellow le unkipiki he wastelo. Leambetu ki tangana wastelo olo kota yellow oriate hona umpi o hola oskati wichoni. Greetings and good day and welcome my relatives shaking your hands with a good feeling in my heart and the whole world is beautiful and it really is a beautiful day and it's good for all of us to be here. This is a, it's a, a significant day, English. Significant day, it is good because there is peace when you really think about it and feel it and let the people hear your voice respectfully and celebrate life. In addition to relativity, this is First Voices Radio. I send you greetings and strength from the east gate of Turtle Island where the sun and the water touch the earth at once. And our website is First Voices Indigenous Radio.org. And I want to thank you for your generosity as always and for being here. You know who you are. And without you, we cannot continue. I'm your host, Teokasen Ghost Horse. This is an all-Native hosted, all-Native produced First Voices Radio now in its 28th year of broadcasting. And First Voices Radio producer is Liz Hill. Our first guest is a familiar voice and a familiar face and a familiar guest to First Voices Radio. And he is a longtime award-winning writer and uh, professor, associate professor in the Mexican-American Studies at the Department of University, Department at the University of Arizona. And uh, we're going to be talking about uh, an article that, that I read online, and now I I'm, I'm really want to you know, d- delve into this. And um, it's really about, you know, what, what, is, what am I saying here? It's currently going on in, in, 
you know, out there with the memory and the COVID-19 and Sequali violence, which is an article. And I wanted to bring that to light and I wanted to read the full text of the article, but I'm not going to do that because I want Roberto or Dr. Sentley to explain what he means about all these these conditions happening at this consequence of previous disease or injury. I think that's what Sequali really means, um, how it's infecting us. And I'll, I'll, I'll do that and welcome you once again, the familiar face, welcome back. It's honored to have you with us and your thoughts, Dr. Sintley. Welcome to First Voices Radio. Good morning. Yes, uh, good morning. Great to be on again. I think we're already in the afternoon now. Oh, you are? <laughs> yeah, that's right. Over, okay, okay. Yeah. All right, yeah. Over here we are. And um, I think I think I'm really interested in this, too, that this concept that you said uh, uh, M- Michelle Rascon Canales uh, contributed an essay and broken hardness and systematic killings, testimonials, and sequelae violence. What did she mean, and what did you get out of that article? Well, um, I think it's something that we're all familiar with. It's just that we didn't, we didn't use that name. That is, I think in uh, communities of color, and especially Native communities, the concept of historical trauma or intergenerational trauma um, I a lot of times I call it permanent trauma. I mean, like PTSD is permanent as opposed to post. But that, in other words, that general idea that it's not something violence isn't something that happens at one day and then afterwards it's forgotten. No, it affects those closest to that person. So, say somebody's wife gets killed, as an example, the husband's going to be affected. The children. The um, parents, you know, both on both sides, you know, families on both sides, neighbors, you know, et cetera, et cetera. But, you know, unfortunately for people of color, you know, we have that historical experience or that experience that goes back literally to 1492, at least on this continent. And so it's not, again, it's no, we're not strangers to that, that, that idea. Uh, you know, for the white population, a lot of times, they have the attitude of like, hey, it's over, you know, move on, you know? It's kind of like, well, sure, it's easy for them to move on. They're the ones that took the land. You know, they took the land and enslaved the people and subjected us to everything from genocide to slavery to, you know, the the, the jour and the fact of segregation and discrimination and on and on and on. You know, the, uh, the biggest, the reason... I wrote about the, the COVID and then also about the police violence is because there's three populations that have continuously been affected by the, the, the violence or different kinds of violences. And that is, I always call it the red, black, and brown populations or the indigenous, the black and the brown populations. And, and you know, there's no horse race involved here, you know, not like one more than the other. It's just these three populations have been affected in, in the most vicious way. I mean, again, going back to 1492, and, uh, you know, whether it's Border Patrol, whether it's Department of Homeland Security, whether, whether they're the troops or the cowboys, you know, another ego bank or the slave masters, you know, uh, you know this, but a lot of people don't, that the first slavery on this continent obviously was against native peoples, you know. So all of that, you know, so we have that history, whether it's the North or the South, you know. But, you know, one of the things, and, and I think people from 
the North or the U.S. would understand the, the concept of the, uh, the boarding school. The boarding school was meant to, for, us, for us to forget our memories. In the South, they, had, they, uh, they did the same, but much earlier. That, that was called the mission system. But its actual name was called Reducciones. And the Reduccion had two, two objectives. One, again, identical to the boarding school, that is to wipe the memory and create Christians in their place. And the other one was to corral people into an enclosed mission so that before, say, people had like hundreds and hundreds of miles all around them where they could roam back and forth. The, the, the Reducción corralled them all into one little area. And so all of a sudden, you have free land. It's for the taking, you know, because it's empty, according to them. Um, anyway, so that's what I'm saying. We have that, that, that longest history. And, and again, all these three populations, what a lot of people don't know is that Native peoples have the highest rates of violence from law enforcement. You know, um, Again, you know, in the news, you hear everything about black and white. And, 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 and rightfully so, we should hear about the, the, the violence against the black population. What is missing from those stories is the violence against Native peoples, you know, both from the North and the South. Um, God, it's, it's, I mean, it would be on crisis. And, and, and in one sense, we've always been in a crisis. You know, I did a, I did a little study recently. This is after my book came out. And literally, this is since George Floyd. Now, you probably know it's very difficult to track native deaths you know, because of names, you know, unless it's something very obvious, you know, like if somebody named Sitting Bull or something, you know, like, you know, you can tell sort of. But otherwise, it's, it's very difficult, you know, so it, it takes a lot of persistence. So one of the things that I did, which is a little bit easier, is if somebody has a Spanish last name, kind of like a Gonzalez or Gomez or, you know, um, like my last name, Rodriguez, those are a little easier to track, you know. And what I did is I, I, I looked at all the databases and, and found that since George Floyd was killed May 25th, there has been 80 people with names like that, like Gomez, uh, that have been killed since May 25th. May 25th or August 31. You know, there's no, there's nobody in the world that's coming close to that. You put all of Europe combined, and nobody's getting killed like that. Obviously, the only population that's getting killed like that would be the African American population. And then, in terms of per capita, racial-wise, again, you have the native population. So between those three populations, it's like all three are at crisis level. Um, Anyway, so I don't know if you wanted to know a little bit more about the coronavirus aspect of it and the sequelae violence, but I connected both of them is what I did with the article. Yeah, I, I think that's very apropos because of, you know, it's sort of, um, I think you described it as a pandemic, but it's a pandemonium uh, out there of, of how we think. And, and as you were describing earlier about how it, we are impacted as families, as as a people, three peoples, and yeah. it, you can, you're talking about a viral mind, a way to conquer, a way to take over the indifferences that are shown by this virus mind. And we, yes. of course, have that word Windigo or Washichu that we, we used in order to describe <laughs> yes, that, that, that behavior, yeah. right? So yeah, I, think, yeah. I think that the COVID-19 is just 
symptom of that thinking. I mean, this this is far-reaching and conspiratorial for, for many people, but I, I'm looking at this, and one thing that I think you mentioned that I really want to bring up before I forget it, uh, Doctor, is um, I was speaking to a young African-American from Philadelphia this weekend, and they had mm-hmm. gotten away from Philadelphia just to, to breathe. <laughs> you know, they got to the mountains up here in the Catskills, and they said, we can breathe, you know, which was yeah. it was just, yeah. just like, whoa, it's just we can breathe. Um, but yeah. she said, you know, the one thing that I can't that that makes me it's hard for me to breathe and hard for me to listen to and hard for me to be around is just, quote, unquote, she told me this word and she said toxic positivity. And you mentioned that people just want to move on. Let, let's, it's over with. Let's get on to the next thing. And that, that's <laughs> right, what, right. what she was talking about. Yeah. Well, you know, as individuals, we probably could move on. The problem is that this is not an individual problem. You know, when you're talking about mass violence, you know, like let's take COVID, for instance. Um, you know, a report just came out yesterday. You know, you probably read it in the Washington Post that, Again, the same three populations, and this is about every topic, the same three populations are affected. Uh, it doesn't matter whether it's, we're talking about suicide or obesity, diabetes, heart disease, you know, mur- murdered and missing indigenous, African-American and migrant women, police violence, prison, incarceration. I mean, you name the topic, it's the same three populations over and over. And it's not accidental. So what they found in the COVID crisis is that 75% of people dying are people of color. You know, again, the same three populations. Uh, and I think that one was related to children. But as a whole, you know, there's a direct correlation. Just like they talk about education in college, it's a direct correlation with zip code. You know, if you have a certain zip code, they can be predicted that they will have good health or they will have terrible health based on your zip code. So it's no surprise why all the things that I mentioned, and of course I didn't, I didn't even talk about the education, the, the dropout crisis, college growing rates. I mean, there's a, uh, there's, there's a direct correlation with all of this. And uh, when I, so when I correlated that with that concept of sexuality violence, is that, you know, they have the concept of uh, contra- contact tracing. So, which means that if somebody gets it, that means, and you know, usually people don't know that they have it until later, right? So that means when they get it, they're infecting other people. So who are they infecting? It's usually those closest to them, you know? And so that's the concept of contact tracing is that you go back and find the people that have been, that you've been close to. Uh, And so I remember, I don't know why, but I guess because it both happened at the same time that I thought about that, like, that's how police violence works also, you know, in, in a different way, but it's similar in that, I, I explained it actually already, that, you know, you kill somebody, you know, the person's father or the mother or the siblings, they're going to be affected, and, of course, the neighbors, the larger family and on and on. So it's a, it's a very similar idea. And, and what's striking is, like I said, is that, it's not like there's any news here and there's nothing news breaking about this. It's a condition literally since 1492. It just manifests differently. But 
see what 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 combines the commonality in all this is being treated as less than human beings. I think that's the commonality, and I'm talking about from 1492 to the present. Again, on this continent, because right. you can probably track that even further in other continents, but on this continent, the concept of being either not human or less than human, it, it's from day one, not from their arrival. Um, yeah, unfortunately, you know, and I've done the research on this thing, you know, because, you know, when, I think, you know, when, when I was almost killed, that was 1979, and I began to study the topic and trying to figure out, well, when did they treat us better, you know? And I kept going back and back and back, and it was like, damn. It's like you have mass lynchings, you know, you have land theft. Go a little further back, you're talking about genocide, and, you know, all during these times, we're talking about, uh, again, that, that segregation and that discrimination, legal segregation and legal discrimination. So, in other words, there is no time when things were better, you know? Uh, I think we have the illusion as taught in the history books, you know, that the founding fathers were nice guys or something. And and, and nowadays they acknowledge that they were slaveholders. They didn't before. <laughs> Only since ethnic studies came about. You know, now they acknowledge it, but it's kind of like, wow, you know, they, they were flawed human beings, but their ideas are great. And like, to me, it's like, well, their ideas are so crap. <laughs> that is, if it doesn't apply to everyone. If we're not treated as full human beings, look at what just happened yesterday. That, that, that was, I think, called the, uh, the whistleblower. The migrant women are being sterilized, you know. And, that, that, I mean, Native peoples have that history. African, uh, African-Americans have that history, and on and on. Puerto Ricans have that history. Um, and, you know, a lot of times in, in public, people will use the word Latino or even Hispanic. But at the core, most of them are Native, you know. Mm-hmm. And so part of that, what has happened, obviously, is that de-indigenization. But you're talking about brown bodies, you know, red brown bodies, you know, when you're talking about these women. And, and you know, a lot, a lot of times, like, especially when you're talking about Central America, the the rate of killing of Native, Native women, Maya women, or Native people, it, it, it's through the roof. Anyway, I think that's... Um, uh, maybe I went a little longer, but um, anyway, that was my answer. Yeah, I, I, I really am um, thinking about the the continuing of it because we mentioned that it goes back a long time, and and yeah. I, the, the reactions we have as people of color w- when I get deeper into the people of culture, and I talk about culture as native from this 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 land and those that would be considered Latino or Lat- Latina or that there's a base uh-huh. of, there's a base of culture there. There's indigenous in that DNA, and I oh, think absolutely. and I think about this. Um, but it's that migrant farm worker. It's that native on the reservation that's planting the ground. That's not out there in the streets because we don't have the numbers. We don't have the numbers to react as much as others other peoples mm-hmm. do fighting for their civil rights or, or you know, equality. Yeah. Is is that? It seems that a person in touch with the land, as far as I'm concerned, Roberto, is, is, is the fact that they seem to be more dangerous because they more or less have an identity, one which America yeah. is constantly looking for. So there, there's, that's, 
that's what I'm seeing is not being talked about, that identification. And we, we want to rationalize yeah. that that's not what it is. It's equality because I want you to have food too, and I want you to be able to vote. But those are all stipulations of a system that wants to keep its place, you know. And so we can, we can take down a Columbus statue and think that we've moved forward when the system is still in place. See, it's behind. It's that toxic thinking, that toxic positivity that young woman was talking about. And I think about how your book, uh, one, the, the first the one on violence, which was uh, the Yoki, a warrior summoned from the spirit Yoki. world. Yes, Yoki. yes. Yeah. And you talked about the violence, what happened to you, and how it made the world a lot more clearer because of just because of who you were and what they were preventing you from being. And when yeah. when, when I read this article again, it's like, oh, okay, I get it now. We are being, and you would say it, being silenced and invisibilized. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Well, look, and then you mentioned something. You brought up the other idea of, you know, that massive forest fires that are taking place in the state of Washington, Oregon, and California? Right. Well, during these fires, farm workers are still working the land. Farm workers are still picking the crops, you know? And that's why, that's why you alluded to it, and so did I. Farm workers are natives, you know, right. and not not in a symbolic sense, but a literal sense, and and because they are people of the earth, you know. Uh, many in the old days, I think many people were native, but they didn't know who they were because of colonization. But many of the people that have migrated in the last generation are literally like say Zapotec, or uh, you know from uh, Chiapas, you know Maya people. Uh, well, all the different, different tribes from, from the south have migrated north. And so right now, the people doing the crops are, are, are both literal, literal native peoples that know who they are and the indigenous peoples. But nonetheless, it, it, it's still that same red-brown population. And in other words, we're all hiding or supposed to stay away from, you know, social distancing, all that stuff, while... This population is hard at work, and this is the same population that is denigrated as less than human, you know? And again, this is not, and, and, and you know, and we have to take gender into account, and that's why I mentioned earlier that it's not accidental who's being sterilized, you know? Right. It's, in effect, it's Native women, you know, it's women of color, you know? Mm-hmm. So that's why I say it. sometimes I think, I don't know about me, but well, maybe including me. It's almost like we get surprised that all these things happen when, in fact, it's been happening. It's never stopped. It just takes on a different form. You know, the, the exploitation, the manifestation of how one population treats the other one is not human. And in the manifestation, we don't, we're not treated and, and we're not afforded our full human rights. Wow. You know, we're talking to Rob Roberto, Roberto or Dr. Sintley Rodriguez, who's an associate professor at the University of Arizona in Mexican American Studies. And several books, Our Sacred Maze is Our Mother and Yoki, A Warrior Summon from the Spirit World, 2019. And I had a thought before we go out here, Doctor, is, you know, are we complaining? Are we complaining or am I just kowtowing to trying to be quiet because my colonial training is so not to speak up when, when something is when something is hurting us as humans. Yeah. Well no I think 
I'm not sure if I heard it correctly right now, but the, the, the issue is that we are not and have never been silent. That is, people have tried to silence us and they've tried to invisibilize us, but we're not. Otherwise, the war against us would be over with. You know, I, I always tell people, you know, if you've heard of the concept of instability, like they'll say, oh, Latin America, they're unstable. What they're really saying is that people have been in rebellion forever. You know, people never accepted that colonization. You know, people have always been fighting in both Native and the African population. So, you know, what, what is what is the colonizers, what do they want? They want people that are comfortable with their oppression, you know, that they don't complain anymore. But no, people rebel in different ways. And, you know, not everybody rebels in the same way, but... But we do have that history of rebellion and of insubordination. You know, that's the whole, that's why, as you know, in the Constitution and the treaties, you know, talk of wild savages, <laughs> meaning people refuse to be colonized. And, you know, the Maya are the great example. You know, they've never surrendered. They've always rebelled. But I, th- I think that's across the board. We rebel in different ways, you know, just. You know, again, some people just don't, uh, maybe in the ways that they know how, and it's right. a learning process. Because, like, I know that for me, a lot of the people that I work with are the ones that got brainwashed. So they hate themselves. <laughs> they hate their own parents, their own grandparents. Right. But then all of a sudden, something happens, and next thing you know, they want to learn a language. You know, they want to know why am I brown? You know, like, what is that about? You know. When, when the school is teaching them that, like, oh, we're all Americans, you know, George Washington is our father, <laughs> all that kind of stuff. Right. But I think I, I think we're always going to rebel. Otherwise, otherwise, they wouldn't they wouldn't spend so much energy trying to suppress it. Right. If we were docile. Well, Doctor, thank you so much again. Time goes fast when we're just getting warmed up, and um, thank you for <laughs> writing your yeah. bi-monthly column in the Progressive Populist, and you can. Roberto can be, Rodriguez can be found on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Um, but yeah, just wish we had more time and we'd go on with this because it, it always seems like we're just getting warmed up, doctor, and, and uh, then we have to move on to the next one. So thank you once again. Well, for, yeah. You know, yeah. It'll, be, it'll be another time, too. All right. Yeah. Thank you very okay. much. Okay. Take care. Thanks. Okay. Bye. Okay. And that's uh, Dr. Roberto Sintley Rodriguez, and he's the author. And he's been here uh, plenty of times. It's always an honor to get his thoughts because he's currently keeping up with the knowledge that's been, I don't know, being put out there. And uh, he disseminates between what, the, what that truth is and brings it to you and offers it in a very personal way. And I thank him for that, for being here on First Voices Radio.
of my friend my friends and he says it's a good song to really think about and it's played in the in the manner of the blues genre and uh, it's a favorite of our producer Liz Hill uh, thanks for that and um, our next guest is a familiar guest and another familiar voice is Ophelia Rivas to 
like to welcome and honor, uh, thanks for honoring us to be on First Voices Radio here. Ophelia is an elder and activist with the Tohono Odom Nation and uh, founder of the Odom, Odom Voice Against the Wall. Let me spell that for you. O hyphen. Oh, excuse me. O, um, <laughs> I forget what they call it. Yeah, apostrophe. <laughs> that's what. O apostrophe. O D H A M. Voice against the wall, and we're going to talk about this thing. And people, young people, youth people, y- you people out there who are young, and yes, you are active, and you want action, and you want things to go on, and and because your energy has to go somewhere. Um, and I, I think by listening to those those people who have been in in the the, the fire in the fire for a long time. Um, and understand, uh, you know, the direction and the, the the different administrations that have come and gone, and yet the system is still there. And I, I'm going to ask uh, Ophelia to come on and honor us that because she's been um, 35 years as human rights work on her own land, own a home land. And uh, there was a subject, an article by Brenda Norrell in Censored News, and it's uh, basically I'm just going to start it out because I did meet Ophelia Rivas in 2000. And Three, I think it was, um, or maybe it was 2002, I don't remember. But in May 2002, Ophelia Rivas raised her own funds to attend the first of four consecutive forums at the United Nations Permanent Forum on Indigenous Issues in New York City. And she documented to present human rights violations in Odaham communities along the United States-Mexico border. So the, her border work is not just a recent you know, thing, or it's been, an, or it's been a more or less an ordeal to to get the word out with without getting funded, in a sense, by all these nonprofit groups and uh, those co- <laughs> Johnny Come Lately profit groups who want the recognition for saving indigenous peoples in this way. So I think uh, it's it's mm-hmm. it's good to have Ophelia back on the air here. And her work has continued and will continue as it being as being important mo- mostly to the land and firstly to the mm-hmm. land and to the creation and not some media buzz where, you know, thousands of people show up and that could help, too. But it's really how you feel out there. So, Ophelia, with your permission, I want to say that if we say mm-hmm. something that moves your heart, then something changes because we can mm-hmm. measure everything. We can mm-hmm. make we can put everything into numbers and stats and facts, but will that really change? Because those stats and facts are always changing. But if we touch your heart, then something takes that wall down that's going up. Start The wall starts in your heart, your brain, and continues now on the land. So I'm just going to address it that way, and welcome to First Voices, mm-hmm. Ophelia. Okay. Uh, just uh, greetings to my ancestors and that um, all of our work and it's based on our Himaduk, our way of life, that is the vital part of, uh, you know, what uh, is really the base of why uh, my father stood uh, for protection and defending his lands and his community and and on down the line all the people around the world that stood in defense of their lands because they felt it was a sacred place that any violation of that sacred space is Im- impacts every individual 
that is ever on that land, including the ancestors and the next seven generations of our people. So I always stand on that, and I always begin with that, and always think in that way that, you know, it, money, yes, it, money, we need money to travel, fly. When I flew to New York, you know, I was involved with the Zabatista uh, movement, <clears throat> and so we had uh, coffee, and I would sell cough bags of coffee. That was my fundraiser, and I raised funds to go. And it's important that, you know, that we do, uh, we have to use that, that, uh, that money, uh, whatever that's called, that, you know, before there wasn't any in our, in our, known in our, in our societies, we just trade it, you know. But that money is always in, in need of, uh, we need to buy plane tickets, we need to put gas in our car, we need to repair cars, and we need to purchase food with it. So that, uh, in looking at that uh, economic system in that way, it, it's a hindrance to us that are have been uh, not that's not in our uh, kind of like not in our DNA <laughs> to have this kind of system uh, that's in so ingrained in us uh, that we have to live our life uh, uh, to gain uh, this money somewhere. But that's that is you know even in the border region, you know before when um, the uh, international border became into existence um, for the U.S. and Mexico, you know that was uh, really the beginning of a lot of uh, it, things uh, issues that came up along with it, including uh, displacement of people, and now the refugees of all come within their own homelands and. And these things uh, have been uh, the main focus of uh, all the work of the Autumn Voice Against the Wall is to try to maintain what we can of our old ways, uh, which which just means being able to cross that border, to visit our families, to go to ceremony, to be able to not be hindered by uh, the militarization of the border, which is... Uh, right now what what is happening to all lands and this happening to all land and and i always i'm thinking and imagining um this scenario metaphorical scenario that the people here native people in a sense and your people odom people have not attacked you've always either protected in a sense of defense yes but there's that difference there, and I'm thinking that people should understand this. We do not attack your system. We do not attack the way you live, but it seems to be the other way around, and that's rationalized to the extent that it's okay to do this now because it's in the, in, in the sake of progress. It's for the sake of modernity. Those Native peoples need to catch up with us because we have the answers to the earth that we're despoiling here. But I really, yeah. yeah, and I think that's one thing that I'm hearing is that you do not attack, Native people do not attack, but you're merely defending and protecting the earth, right? Yes, they also, always have uh, defended the lands from any in, incursion of uh, and disruption of our, our, our way of life, which is ceremony life, destruction of plant life, destruction of mountains. And, uh, and and people, you know, that is, uh, we have not ever uh, 
uh, raged, uh, you know, uh, border conflict uh, uh, to, uh, you know, to displace people. We've always maintained, you know, that Don Autumn land or Autumn lands are uh, distinctly, uh, has distinct boundaries um, because of the surrounding communities, uh, uh, other like the Seri people and the Apache people and the Lollapai, Supai people. We've always uh, maintained those areas that people hunt and everybody respected each other's boundaries. I mean, there's small conflicts now and then, but it was always uh, that because of the sacredness, we wouldn't go to um, the Grand Canyon and and uh, put up a boundary, a wall, or put up a, you know, uh, uh, bring military, you know, to uh, claim uh, lands that is ancestrally not our our lands. You know, that is the... So it's, we've always uh, lived in this way, and and to find the young people not... Uh, not really uh, based in that uh, autumn way or uh, autumn hymn that which is our way of life to base those things uh, their their um, efforts you know to base it and we begin with the prayer you know we begin with the prayer and an offering to all sacred things to to work in together uh, to protect something or to um, to advocate for something that that is uh, mainly what uh, I've been doing, working with the ceremony elders and the and the elders uh, of the of both sides of the border to to say what I'm saying today. It's not um, you know I'm I'm directed to be in this position that I have to be the voice of uh, of these elders and these ceremony people because you know. Our language is is very specific, and it's it's uh, difficult to translate sometimes in things that they talk about on the land, and and I do my best to try to advocate for that, and that is the only reason, you know, that um, I'm out here and uh, um, have uh, traveled internationally and have uh, uh, tried to represent them the best way that uh, is is possible. And it's all in in uh, for a protection of uh, who we are to maintain who we are as autumn people and not to um, in any way uh, distort that. You know, we are a, a peaceful people, and we only have lived uh, have experienced these uh, conflicts um, uh, in the recent times. Uh, the last. Uh, over 500 years, you know, that this uh, force came onto our lands and and have altered uh, many things. But I'm fluent in my language as well as all the people I represent. Uh, we attend ceremonies. We maintain our ceremonies. We continue to do those things that are important, important to the land. And I hope that young people can understand that, you know, it's, Yes, it's very uh, popular, you know, to to go out there and do these things now. And uh, but when you're starting off, uh, um, you know, kind of not understanding who you are in the first place, then it is distorting that, and it disrupts 
the original prayers that are already on the land. Thanks for saying that, Ophelia. I think about it's, you know, in that area where you live and a lot of native country out here, which it all is to us. But um, in those local areas, like local authorities, there is media blackouts, except if the outside influence comes in. But uh, again, it's the media blackout within the peoples who who don't speak the languages. And are they yes. are they continuing to distort what's really happening there in order just to get along in that society? Because uh, of the colonization, really, and I think about that. This, and and when I think about the the Odom voice against the wall, when you started way back, oh, you know, mm-hmm. I'm not saying last. Well, it was last century actually. When you think yes. about it, when yes, you it started, was. and that is that that it it started last century. It would seem like it's so old ago, but it's it's not so old. And and when we talk about the critical time, really, right now, pan, the pandemic that's happening and all the the conflict happening along the border, um, the the fires out in the West before we talked about the smoke Mm -hmm. finally reaching Mm -hmm. the East Coast and you're you're clear there. But, you know, the realities that you're speaking about is in the language, talking about these days and and what we didn't do and what we missed and, and the oversight that we have because of the colonization. I think a lot of young people, not to be... um, uh, set any kind of uh, disruption between the the older people and the younger people, but having, and I'm going to include this, having no gender hierarchy within our languages is very important because mm-hmm. that that's the yes. original democracy. That's where democracy yes. starts. Yes. Absolutely. You know, I, I keep going, I, and when you were speaking, I was thinking about Standing Rock and that that original prayer and fires that were built and how how it just became a, like a circus. And it disrupted that prayer. And even though the elders were still maintaining that prayer, all you saw was that disruption. They And the many people that came there to pray may have not even seen that original prayer. And, the, and that that is what I'm looking at. You know, there's, you know, you need to go back to the original prayer and all this other stuff is just distortion and disruption. And it's intentional. It's intentional that you, that uh, this distortion happens, and especially to young people that are misled so many times by this. And to keep humble and keep, and keep your honor and dignity in all the things that you do. And it reflects, you know, our original prayer and our original uh, the people that were on the land and how they maintained the the prayers and the land and to maintain the protection and and that is so important you know I can't um, I don't want to um, sound like um, you know I'm uh, um, not appreciating appreciating what the young people are doing I do appreciate it you know at least the media is now looking at that and saying, oh, there is actually a problem. Uh, whereas, you know, the before I invited people here to, I invited media crews and independent people, come and stay, not for a day, come and stay for two weeks, at least two weeks, and you will see what is happening here. But everybody came only a day and they left and wrote a story, but it didn't really truly reflect what was happening 
the, the increasing uh, violence by the military called Border Patrol that was attacking our people that uh, closed off some of our, two of our, our, our traditional routes. Uh, one, uh, cr- one critical one, which is going to ceremony, um, and the other one to communities. And so these things that um, we were trying to bring about, and then when the local authorities here, um, uh, because of, uh, you know, their mentality of, um, of authority, uh, they, they caused, uh, they uh, set a media blackout. Um, any media that will be coming into the nation to try to, uh, the Tohnautam nation to try to write a story would be escorted off the reservation. But um, I happened to invite these people um, individually saying, okay, you're my guest, come to my house. And that's how some of the stories got written. You know, and, and, and it's important that um, uh, there's accurate uh, stories uh, that are coming out from here. You know, the border wall, uh, the Autumn Nation has over uh, 70 miles of international border. The Autumn Nation has negotiated with the Department of Homeland Security to install the surveillance towers called... Um, the integrated fixed towers that are built by um, Israeli company called Elbit System. These 200 feet towers are uh, replacing what is the wall. So the actual, you know, um, 38 some feet tall wall will not be on the entire on the on the nation boundary of the U.S. Mexico, but. In place of that is these towers. Our landscape is, is will be forever altered. And not only, but all the impacts that that has. So this border wall that uh, you see on the news is uh, just off the reservation, uh, 13 miles. It begins a tall, uh, tall border that uh, has been constructed uh, uh, since um, October, and it's still going last year, October. And it's passed the sacred places, uh, two sacred places, and continuing on towards uh, Yuma. And on the other side, which is um, towards um, Tucson, they're also building uh, the wall. So in this area of 60, uh, some say 68 and 68 to 70 miles of uh, the, the border will not have that wall. And then these uh, integrated fixed towers that are right now, we have um, so many uh, trucks, uh, semi-trucks coming through the, the lands and um, hauling uh, equipment and water and uh, excavation equipment that they're leveling off part of our sacred mountain here in my community to build a concrete pad to erect this 200 feet tall tower. This tower will have the latest um, uh, technology of surveillance equipment. And it will see, you know, um, everything that uh, 
not only that the community are doing, but across the border into Mexico, about to about 64 miles. Um, um, not only that, but also to hear uh, audio um, you know, in that region at uh, nine miles. And at uh, six miles, you can see anybody walking uh, in, around their co the community or along the border uh, very clearly. So we are under um, um, this uh, new technology that's coming now. Um, they're building the pads, and they'll soon bring um, these towers to erect. And the, um, the place where here in my community is a place where the deer uh, people uh, calf, and so it's a violation of that, and we have um, been opposed to these towers from the beginning, but um, despite that, our, the tribal government here did approve it, and they did start construction this past October. Well, Ophelia Rivas, his uh, time is uh, at that at the minimum right now, but I want to mm -hmm. thank you for being here once again to bring the latest and uh, how long you've been doing, uh, you know, resistance and bringing that news about what's happening along that border, even before that wall went up and um, what yes. was to come, and now here it is, and we're still talking about it. But I want mm -hmm. to thank you. It's always an honor to talk to you, to be here, um, have you on our radio program, and um, just uh, just big strength and prayers to you out there in, in Arizona. Yes, thank you so much, and that we do need some support. We're still doing food deliveries, and we're still helping all some uh, people that have now become refugees in their homelands and and facing uh, imminent danger. So if you can uh, support us through our website, and that we appreciate very much. And right. thank you so much for uh, allowing my voice again, and uh, uh, I honor you as well for all this work that you're doing. It's very important. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you, Ophelia. The, the website is T-I-A-M-A-T, Tiamat. Publications.com. Yeah. So go go to that and check out what we've been talking about all along here. Thank you again. This is First Voices Radio. That was Ophelia Rivas being with us all the way from Arizona. And uh, my name is Teokasan Ghost Horse. And Toksha Ake watching Kitelo. And we'll see you again in that circle of life. I got it.
Now we gon' 